Am I on? Oh. Oh. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. March yeah. My mic wasn't on. Do you, does that sound familiar any at all? Someone getting introduced that way? March Not at all. <laughs> I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder. Thank you for tuning in today. In a world of average, this man is absolutely savage. I'm here with my husband and producer of the podcast, David Rossetti. How are you, dear? I am good. I am good. You're a poet. You don't even know. Ah, Hi, look at me. I am great. I'm great. How are you? Dear? I'm great. I'm ready um, to share this interview with Jenna Hamshaw, because I just wanted to say Hamshaw like that, because ever since I've known her name, I just love it so much. That's a great name. It's it's a fantastic Jenna name. Hamshaw. And um there's a, someone in a movie says Marge Shaw. I can't remember and ever since I've seen Hamshaw I That's, didn't I didn't do it to... do it when I was talking to her cuz I didn't want to scare her but now I'm doing it. <laughs> now we're doing it. Yeah, cuz if in I would have could you imagine if I would have started when I got her on the horn that day if I would have said, "Well, hey, Jenna Hamshaw." <laughs> she might have hung up on me. Probably. Probably. So, uh, before we get to Miss Jenna, David, my love, how are you? I am good. <laughs> how are you? Fantastic. Doom, good, doom, good. doom, doom. Any? What, what have you been up to these days? What have you been cooking? Have you been cooking anything? I work retail, so we had like a a potluck. Mm-hmm. But bless my bless my um, uh, coworkers, they kind of eat like trash. I was wondering, actually, so I, kn- I know what you made, of course, because we live together. But uh, how did that go over? I mean, it went really, really well. I mean, I think eventually I have to kind of basically like force them to try it because. So they, he made a sweet potato casserole. Sweet potato casserole, you know, that, you know, it's pretty easy and pretty um, uh, standard kind of Thanksgiving fare. But I think, I mean, anybody that hears the word vegan, they're immediately like, "Oh, what does that mean?" Oh, did you tell what them it was mean? vegan? Well, by now, oh, of course they know. By now they know yeah. I'm probably going to make something vegan. So they're yeah, like, we can't hide it. I don't understand. Um. I mean, not by now I've educated them, but like, um, oh, I'm so proud. But uh, Tori and Connor, um, she took it home to Connor, and Connor, was oh, like, Connor really, really liked it. I was like, Fierce. awesome. That's I great. I love this. Are um, you so? And when it comes to Thanksgiving, um, everyone out there, I'm camp. Oh yeah, we. I just want. Have, have yeah, I mean, we've gone. We're two weeks past Thanksgiving, but sure. really, we're re- y'all. We're recording this about a week in advance of it coming out. David and I chatting because we are moving, uh, as moving. we've spoken on the podcast. So we are going to be in the midst of it. Also, we're trying to catch a little, a little heads up here. Get a little, a, a little leg well, up start. on our recording game here, and, and get this all put together so that um, we don't miss a beat and you get an episode on Tuesday. But we were talking about potatoes on Thanksgiving, and mm. one thing we didn't talk about last week. Um, the what was the what was actually the episode after Thanksgiving? Oh my gosh! Long story short, geez, we did Chloe Coscarelli's meal from Whole Foods. Oh yeah, um, and it was delicious. Super cool. Yeah, 
But we had a discussion kind of about the menu. And of course, there's a lot of parameters when you uh, create food like that for, you know, a, a large mass business. consumption. I mean, yeah. I don't, so who knows how they put it together. But right. This is no um, sort of critique on Chloe and, and the menu choices. We were just talking about Thanksgiving menus in general then because it brought it up because there was like a soup, a pumpkin coconut soup. And I don't know if I've ever has soup ever been part of your Thanksgiving? No. I mean, it was delicious. Don't get me wrong; it was tasty. No, for sure, for sure. But I think that's not what you what comes to your mind when you kind of think of Thanksgiving. Well, but I mean, I most it, of the other fixings were, but like that one was a because what we had ball. we had pumpkin coconut uh, soup. We had a creamed kale, mm-hmm. uh, which instead is instead of kind of like instead of like the traditional green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. But that's sort of what I love is that you're sure. getting a. It's not taking the pedestrian sort of route it's giving you something just to, it's elevating it just a little bit is what she was doing kind of which i like and we had a sweet potato casserole sweet potato casserole so that actually leads me to what this was all about i am a russet mashed potato sort of guy on thanksgiving Ooh, russet okay. but you could you could go without those and just take the sweet potatoes mm, I, I miss the i miss the mashed potatoes Full, you want bo- do you want both i think i want both <laughs> actually I mean, one hey. year i made it was like uh, uh, banana and sweet potato like I actually remember, remember this, that? and I'm surprised you actually didn't do that. I, for well, the... I don't know. I I I really now did the banana act as part of the? He's busy. <laughs> Gallon the goat. The way he's on this. Well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just. Doing so I'm so busy. busy. I can just pop my meal in the oven, and I'm oh there. God. I'm ready to go. Um, it sounded like an ad was about to start. I really enjoyed it. I should have just let you go. <laughs> as a gal on the go, busy gal. Grab a banana. Grab a sweet potato. Um, um, what did the banana serve as a sweetener? No, you you, you, you no, still threw it was sugar just part of the. That. It was part of the mash, but it was like uh, super tasty yeah, with, yeah, yeah. you know, in the mix of sweet potato. Delicious. Yeah. Well, and then you top this with marshmallows from the other way. Dandies, our buddies. Thank you, dandies. Dandies, hey, dandies, dandies. marshmallows. Um, and They're then what else? Dandy. So that was what on the menu. She had a cremini roast on the menu, also delicious, and a jalapeno cornbread stuffing. It was very, very tasty. Yeah. Jalapeno. All very and, and, good. Uh, you know, uh, what do you guys like for Thanksgiving? Hit us up in the DMs. Let us know or tag us in your Thanksgiving pics if you hadn't put a pickup of your plate yet, though this is two weeks later. So I guess we can move on from the Thanksgiving topic. Maybe we'll talk about our gal who's on the pod today jenna Ooh. hamshaw hamshaw hamshaw, hamshaw. Uh, i love this woman she's really great um just a great personality and great energy and she was really fun to have on she is a passionate vegan food blogger and cookbook author living in new york city mm-hmm. of course as you know a city that david and i hold near and dear she is the creator <laughs> of the full helping the fullhelping.com a vegan recipe blog that also touches on themes of mental health self-care body positivity and compassionate living super cool i love yeah, that yeah. intersection and she, we get to talk all about it it's really cool that's awesome uh and she uh she writes about vegan cooking for the website food 52 and her work has been published or reprinted in o magazine Ooh, oh thrive magazine whole living red book the huffington post slate time and numerous other publications one two three four numeras Jenna earned her Master's of Science at Columbia University, is a registered dietitian, and has over a decade's worth of counseling experience supporting clients in many arenas that we get into in our interview. Uh, So let's get to it, shall we? Please welcome to the podcast, author of Food 52 Vegan, Choosing Raw, and the one we will focus on mostly here today of her books, one of my favorites, Power Plates, 100 Nutritionally Balanced One-Dish Vegan Meals. It's Jenna Hamshaw. (laughs) 
We have Jenna Hamshaw here, and here we go. Your icebreaker is, if you could be on a reality TV show, which one would you choose and why? Uh, definitely Queer Eye. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Because I just, I need that empowering, positive energy in my life. Like, especially this year, but in general, I could always use it. <laughs> I get it. That's great. And I, I, I think you'd be like sort of in the style position. I watch your Instagram and stuff and you always seem like very just like put together and adorable and cute and stylish. So I would put you in that category, but I'm going to wow. get to know you more. I'm, so maybe that'll I'm change so by the end I'm so flattered. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> I, I think of myself as being like definitely not put together at all. So I'm really glad I'm at least convincing other people otherwise. I was going to say, the impression I'm getting is totally put together. So well done, even if it's smoke and mirrors. Um, mine would be American Idol. And I don't even think I've watched American Idol past like season like three or four, um, which means they've had like 27 seasons I haven't watched, but I just want to sing. That's it. So like I, I thought about it at first. I was like RuPaul's Drag Race. And then I was like, well, that's a lot of work to get into drag. And I was like, but I want to sing. So American Idol would be mine. You know, that's the place to go sing. So I think that's a great choice. That's it. Or I guess the voice. So one of the two there. Um, Now, Jenna, I'm so happy to have you on today. Somehow a copy of your book, Power Plates, landed in my mailbox. And I've been so blessed ever since. I've been obsessed with this book. Of course, upon digging into the book, I started looking you up. And this is certainly not your first contribution to the vegan world. Uh, But before we dive into that, can you take us back to where you grew up and how cooking became part of your life? Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually a born and raised New Yorker, if you can believe it. Um, Yeah. So I I grew up in New York City, and I'm still here. I actually don't live very far from where I grew up. So I have not (laughs) I have not roamed much in the world. Um, And I did not actually grow up cooking much at all. Um, My mom cooked some but I also think you know, like good New Yorkers, she and I relied on day bars and takeout a fair bit of the time. Um, And it just wasn't it it wasn't really a skill that I acquired at all. And I also had a really complicated relationship with food when I was growing up, I had an eating disorder for um, on and off through much of my growing up years, um, which complicated things as well. And so it really wasn't until my 20s that I did any cooking at all. And actually, it really wasn't until I became vegan that I taught myself how to cook in earnest. So um, I went vegan in my sort of early mid 20s. And at the time, you know, it was, it, I was in New York, so there were plenty of options, but it certainly wasn't like today where you can just kind of go anywhere and there's right. probably going to be vegan options, not to mention mm-hmm. all these amazing products that um, we are blessed with now in the vegan world. Yeah. So I figured that at that moment, I was like, yeah, I should really you know, teach myself something about how to make food. <laughs> um, and I learned through food blogs. I taught myself exclusively through food blogs. I, I might have had like one of Issa's cookbooks at the time. Um, uh-huh. I think I had, I think I had with a vengeance, but I really learned from blogs. And that was what inspired me to start one of my own. Um, and that's how my whole sort of cooking journey began. So blogging is near and dear to my heart, not just because it's what I do and what I love, but also like that's what actually introduced me to food. <laughs> that's great. Well, and speaking of your blog, there's a great quote on the full helping uh, on the about page that jumps right out that says, I believe that when we satisfy our appetites, the fullness of our lives expands. This blog is my tribute to that process. Uh, I just love that so much because I'm able to understand your mission right away, right away by this sort of tribute statement 
statement that you have there. Um, and tell us, so you started because you were, you, other blogs got you cooking, so that inspired the full helping. And then you're also a registered dietitian with nearly 10 years of experience in nutrition counseling, but your blog also focuses on general overall wellness, not just food. What made you decide to incorporate all of those things into the blog? Yeah, so it's it's kind of as with many things in life, it's just sort of like a weird roundabout story. So I um I had begun blogging at a time where I was actually like much more I think focused on nutrition than I am now. Like I, I I'm a dietitian. I like to think about the wholesome nourishing properties of the food we eat, but I actually was much more focused on nutrition 10 years ago and that's when I started blogging and it was also the moment where I started to feel like the thing that I was really meant to be doing with my life. I was a book editor at the time. So I had started my blog really just as a hobby, but I was starting to have this sense that the thing that I was best suited to do um, with my time on earth was to do something for veganism, A, um, and for animals, and then B, just to help people in their relationships with food and health and nutrition in their bodies. And I kind of didn't know where to go with all of that. And I was with a bunch of different options. Um, so I thought that I would get a healthcare degree and sort of be able to message about food and wellness from that vantage point. And I had actually like thought about becoming a dietitian, but then I ended up um, getting really interested in GI health. And I went on this like multi, multi-year, and by that I mean like six-year detour where I in my late twenties, tried to go to med school. <laughs> um, so I did, I did a pre-med post back, by the way, I had like not taken science since like high school biology. And I'm not actually incredibly gifted as a science student at all, <laughs> which I learned the hard way in my post back journey. And after I like went through the med school application cycle, I took the MCAT. I, I actually made it through the whole thing. It took me forever. Wow. I mean, wow. really forever. I thought it was going to take like two years. It took <laughs> it took like five. Um, and then I didn't get into med school. And so I was sort of just like left with this feeling of like, where, you know, again, like, how do I serve from this point forward? Do I blog full time? Do I try to like really make food writing my whole, my whole sort of business and vocation as a person? And I thought about that, but there was also still a part of me that wanted to be able to um, help people with their health journeys. And so I, you know, at the time I had done a lot of the classes I would have needed to become a dietitian anyway. And that's when I started doing my dietetics program. And I did that part-time mostly so that I could free up more space to like really just focus on food writing and recipe creation. Um, And I learned something interesting over those years, which is that actually like making food and writing about food is, I think, my deepest passion in life. I I think I care a lot about health and about serving other people with their health. But I think food is the thing that really grips my heart the most. Um, And so now I sort of just try to combine the two as best I can. I really I focus my blog is my bread and butter. It's the thing that I love to do. Um, The writing is still really personally important to me, even if it weren't something I did for work, I would probably want to write my blog just because I love the writing and I love the community. Um, And then my dietetics private practice is also a part of that picture. And that's where I get to, instead of writing about things for lots of people, I actually get to work with people in a really intimate way 
helping them um, deal with whatever health challenges or challenges with food and body image they're up against. And that's kind of how it's all played out. But none of it turned out exactly the way I wanted. But in a lot of ways, I think I actually got to the place I wanted to be. <laughs> and that's kind of like how it goes, right? Like right? <laughs> start to roll and you're kind of like, what am I doing in the middle of all this? Oh, suddenly all these pieces are starting to come together. And I see. Um, and certainly we're benefiting from your services that you offer and you're creating these delicious recipes for people. And as a registered dietitian, uh, you support people who might be hoping to find more peace in their relationship with food. How do people find these services you offer and contact you about them? They usually find it through my blog. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that way. Um, I think most of the people who reach out to me find me through my blog, sometimes through social media too. Um, as you can imagine, a lot, not all of my clients are, are vegan, but many of the people sure. who approach me are either vegan themselves or they're sort of trying to head more in that direction have some questions about how to do it and how to cover all of their bases nutritionally. Um, and that's really a lot of the people that I end up working with. And I also think oftentimes um, the people who find you are the people who, for whatever reason, your story resonates with them. So I also work with a lot of people who have either eating disorders or just, I, you know, I think complicated relationships with food and it's my job to just support them in, in their own healing process. I always, I personally believe all of my clients find their own way towards healing. I'm really just there to help support them as they do that. That's good. I mean, you gotta, it's like people, I believe that we all have, you know, the strength and power within, but we need people around us to sort of support, lift up and sometimes help us dig a little deeper, maybe, you know? Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of putting it. And that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, that's so lovely. That's what you're here for. That's why we're lucky we have you. Um, and let me ask you my favorite question when we start looking at uh, cookbooks. I think maybe we know the answer. You might have said it already. But what was your first vegan cookbook then? So my first vegan cookbook I actually wrote when I was still really into the raw food thing, which feels like such a long time ago now, but it wasn't that long ago. And it was called Choosing Raw. Um, and basically I was at a point where I had, when I had first started to get into veganism, I had like a, a couple of years, especially early on where I feel like I reverted back to my old, um, restrictive tendencies as someone who had a long eating disorder history. And I got really into raw foods and I don't think that that was healthy for me. I don't think I realized that at the time. And in some ways it was um, an expression of wanting to have a good relationship with food, but I think I just got way too carried away with the kind of rigidity of that diet. And by the time I wrote Choosing Raw, I was out of that place, but I still really liked raw food. And so the book was really meant to be sort of showing people that it's not, you know, it's not either or. You don't have to be a raw foodist to enjoy raw food and raw recipes. And right, sometimes they right. can just be really like, quick and easy, which is a plus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, people people think that, that they raw food has to be this long labored process sometimes. And I'm like, guys, here's the deal. The food's not cooked. So that's not right? necessarily true. <laughs> totally. And that I completely agree with you. Like, I, I mean, I know a lot of raw recipes are really intense and involved. Sure, can but like, be, it yeah. can also be like putting cashews in a food processor, which yep, is not yep. so terrible, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And coming out with something delicious. And that was the first vegan, well, raw cookbook you wrote what's the first vegan cookbook that you owned i'm curious was it the vegan it, with a vengeance or it did was you have... definitely it was definitely vegan with a vengeance that is okay. my first vegan cookbook um and then i'm trying to think of some of the others that i had at the time gosh it was so long ago i definitely had isa's book um let's see 
Did you have, I'm curious too though, because you said you, you liked a lot of blogs and you still do, I imagine. Um, yeah. Did you, did you have, I, I guess in your sense, what was there like a go-to blog for you when you started cooking? Was there one you were like, oh, I know I can find this recipe on there. Oh, I know that like I can find something delicious for breakfast, lunch, or dinner on that one. Yeah. So this was a way back. Um, I liked at the time, I can tell you what some of my favorites were. So there was a blog that I don't think she blogs that much anymore, but it was called Yeah, That Vegan Shit. Um, all right. All right. And, yeah, I haven't heard was, of that one. It was told, well, I mean, again, this is 2009, right? So, like, a lot of people, and also the blog landscape was really different back then because a lot of the people who were blogging then did it as a hobby, and some of them have, are not still blogging. But that was one of the ones that I really liked. Um, other other cookbooks I owned, I had all of Gina Burton's books. Um, okay. and I think she was blogging back then too. And I loved her blog, um, for desserts. I remember Hannah Kaminsky taught me everything I knew or know about vegan <laughs> baking. Um, and she's totally still blogging. I feel like Hannah was one of the people who was blogging like way early on. Um, and it was sort of just like cobbling together all of those blogs, Kitty Burns too. Um, was blogging back then and her work was like incredibly helpful to me. So those were like my earliest sources of inspiration. You were getting into the blog scene and um, not, not uh, piling books up on your bookshelf. Uh, not just, yet. Um, but my my bookshelf point, is insane. At this point, the only books I own are basically cookbooks because there's in my tiny yeah. New York apartment, there's no yep. space for anything else. But. Well, it's funny because you were talking about being in New York and like eating out like a lot of and what people might not understand is like, as New Yorkers, it's it's a necessity sometimes just out of kitchen size. When I started cooking so much in New York, it was so difficult. I mean, I made so much happen in my tiny kitchen. But it was it was really a um, practice of patience and resourcefulness in terms of using space. Well, you know, it's still totally that way for me. I mean, I've had small kitchens my whole life. I think the only advantage of being a lifelong New Yorker is I just don't know. Like I've never gotten accustomed to a bigger kitchen, so I'll never. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't like. I don't feel the difference. Um, occasionally, when I visit my friends who live outside of New York City in other places, and they have nice big kitchens, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of space here. <laughs> uh, see, you know what was interesting for me is when we moved to Atlanta, my kitchen. I was like, well, now I've got to walk all the way over there to grab this. It used to be I just turned around and grabbed it. Totally. <laughs> I was like, come on now. Uh, and then we've got Food 52 Vegan, your second book. Uh, for those of you that might not know, Food 52 is a popular website for anyone who believes the kitchen is the heart of the home and food is the center of a life well lived. I think we can both agree on that as well. And uh, Jenna, this book, Food 52 Vegan, is based on your popular column, The New Veganism on food52.com. Can you tell us about the column and how a book came about from it? Yeah, so I had actually, um, I had started writing for Food 52 back in 2012. And now if you look at the site, you'll see it's an incredibly diverse website. So um, they have not just in terms of like their content itself is diverse. They have a lot of home and lifestyle content as well as sure. cooking content. But, you know, you'll see like the food they feature is just um, all types of cuisines and all types of eating styles too. So there's plenty of vegan content on the site now. But when I started writing for Food 52, there wasn't as much vegan content on the site. And there also wasn't anyone writing for them, like specifically about being vegan. And I, um, I was lucky to start being that person. And the new veganism column was supposed to, the new was not supposed to imply um, 
any, you know, it, veganism obviously wasn't new. This was 2012. But what it, <laughs> what it was supposed to imply was maybe just sort of a new way of looking at veganism. And instead of looking at it as this like incredibly difficult or exotic or expensive or time consuming lifestyle, instead just sort of seeing it as um, a lifestyle that includes dishes that many of us already know and love to eat. And if you think about that, that's true. Like even, you know, even someone who is not nearly vegan in the way they eat, there are always a few vegan things that they love. And it probably wouldn't sure. be that hard to expand upon what they already like to cook and make more of that vegan. And that's really what the column was supposed to um, suggest to people. You know, there are probably more things in your home, more dishes that you love to make that are either vegan or close to vegan that you even realize. And it's yeah. easy to build on that. Um, that's really what we were trying to say. And the cookbook was an extension of that. So it's, it, I, I say, I would say it was sort of approachable, um, accessible vegan recipes that were very plant driven, not too many ingredients that people wouldn't know or love or have in their homes already. So I think like tempeh was like the most exotic thing that ended up in that book. Um, in my own home, in my own kitchen, I usually have like way more vegan products, um, like more vegan meat, more vegan cheeses, more sure. stuff. But um, not everyone would have that if they weren't already vegan. So that's sort of yeah. where we were going with it. That's what I did with my my first book, Simply Vegan. I, I what mm -hmm. I did was I stayed away from like all of the the meats and the cheeses and all that. And then just like in little like there's variations on each recipe. I was like, hey, if you want to use a product, so it ended up being without sort of me even thinking of it, like. I love those things because it, it gives people stuff that's already in their home. Right. And, exactly. And it's just taking from like a traditional pantry and being like, hey, you can like do this with what's already there. And it sounds like Food 52 uh, Vegan is going that route. What are a couple recipes from that book you can share with our listeners? Oh, I there are so many in that book that I love. Um, there's a butternut mac and cheese, which like mm, I mean, how do you how do you, I love it how do you hate that? You know, yeah. yeah, totally delicious. There are some tacos with um roasted cauliflower and mushrooms that I really like in that book, and I tend to right. make a lot. There is a um, a kale and sweet potato and, and peanut stew that I absolutely love and think about all the time, and I actually haven't made it in way too long, so I should go back. Um, and then there are like, there are also just a bunch of desserts that I love in that book. There are some brownies that I really like. There's chocolate cake that I love in that book. Um, so those are some of my favorites. And you can see just like those recipes I just listed. It's all just very accessible, familiar stuff, just made vegan. That's wonderful. And then, of course, we get to Power Plates, where I got acquainted with you. I love uh -huh. this book. I mean, it, it was sort of accidentally landed in my lap because I, I there was like a packet, a 10, uh, 10 speed sent to me. And um, I gravitated towards this one immediately. I love the cover of it. And then I opened it up and all the recipes just sounded so good. And the photos throughout are just fantastic. This is Power Plates, 100 Nutritionally Balanced One Dish Vegan Meals. I'm looking at dates on all three of your books. I'm seeing 2015. Did you write them all at the same time? Or am I looking at some crazy dates and that's not correct? Oh my gosh, no. Thank goodness I didn't write I them all at the same say, time. That's like the third time I've said this. My, my date situation has got to be wrong every time. No, that's, I that's, dig them up differently. that's totally fine. Yeah, that would have been really hard. Um, I right? Was I was like, dang, girl. And I was in grad school when I, in grad school or my clinical training when I wrote all three of these. Um, my for brain for just worse. exploded when yeah. you said that. Yeah, I mean, literally, my face just crunched up when you said that. The idea of writing a book while you're doing those things, bless you, and it's so good on top of it. Oh, it was 
Thank you. I mean, they were all really rough. No, I think Power Plates was, I'm going to say 2017. It's, okay. Okay. It's probably a little alarming that I don't actually know that. No. That tells you, I mean, that tells you how crazy things were at the time. But yeah, this was 2017. No, sorry, 2018. It was early 2018. I'm looking at the back now. And then um, Food 52 Vegan, I think, was 2015. And I think Choosing Raw was 2014. So those two were really close together. They were like <sighs> neck and neck, um, which was completely unintentional. It's just sort sure. of how the opportunities happened. That's, that's, it's, uh, I mean, even to have just a little bit of a gap is still real close to me. It's, uh, especially yeah. for how expansive this book is. I mean, it really yeah. is a sort of, um, everyday sort of book. Like there's types of stuff that you can make for, any sort of thing during the day for your daily meals, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, it's the type of book you can plow through and put post-it tabs on so many recipes because you just get excited as you're going through it. Packed with easy recipes that contain the key macronutrient macronutrients of healthy fats, complex carbohydrates, and proteins, which together make a complete meal, everyone. Um, this book embodies, I feel like, your overall approach when it comes to eating, there's a love of food that shines through, you know, it's paired with a love of food, what it can do for you, it seems. And, and, and it doesn't feel it's, it's a love of food and what it, food can do for you, but it doesn't feel like it's a health book. Like it's slammed into your face as being a health book. It's one of the reasons I think that I really go for it, you know, that I'm gravitate towards it. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I really don't even like to, I mean, I don't, I have nothing against the word healthy, although I'll say sure. it's, it's not a word that I apply to my work all that right, much. Right. Um, I just sort of tend to feel that if people are cooking and enjoying the food they eat and if they're getting enough wholesome stuff, they're doing great. Um, and Absolutely. I also am a big believer that health goes far beyond just what we eat. And I think that oftentimes what I see a lot in my work is just the stress people feel about eating in some ideal fashion, whatever it is, that ideal fashion, you know, whatever they think that is. Um, make creates so much stress and anxiety around food that it actually like there's nothing healthy about that in my mind I think to enjoy food and just be at peace with it is the healthiest thing of all so um that was I'm glad that that shines through in the book um and yeah I do this book had a sort of nutrition emphasis which my other two books did not which was this macronutrient thing. Um, and that's kind of like my, my shtick as a dietitian. It's the thing that I torture my clients with. And I sort of, I tend to just never shut up about, which is just making sure you get protein, fat, and carbs with every meal. And it sounds so simple and so dumb, but I actually like time and time again, I observe how difficult it can be for people. I cannot tell you how often, for okay. example, like a nutrition client will say to me like, oh, well, I had like, a sweet potato and some salad for lunch, but I was really hungry after. And then I grazed all afternoon. It's like, well, where was your protein? And, and I see it with all of the macronutrients too. You know, I oftentimes work with people who are really trying to do lunches that are just like a lean protein and, and vegetables. And then they too end up really hungry. It's they yeah. didn't have any carbs and that's probably why carbs help to keep us energized and full. So I really come to see that those getting all of those macronutrients are, are sort of essential for, I think for people's satiety and their sense of balance. And that was what I wanted to convey. And part of why it also felt important for this book was because, you know, I, I mean, the way I grew up anyway, was I, my mom would make like a protein, which was usually an animal protein, and then like a starch and a vegetable. And that would be all of our meals. Those were always how our dinners looked. 
And I think for people who have just gone vegan, it can actually be really hard to try to recreate that night after night. I think people sort of lose a sense of that macronutrient balance that they grew up with um, because they're not really sure how it translates over to a vegan diet. So I was also trying to help coach people through what that looks like. That's great. I mean, you have a great way of offering how-tos in this, in, in just the way you write, and it helps anyone sort of be able to understand with a welcoming way. Um, but it's sort of because you infuse your teaching style with your own learning curves, it seems, and how you've progressed in your food journey. So it just feels like, I don't know, it, it, for people reading it, or for me at least, it feels like I'm vibing with it. Like I'm like, oh, I get what she's saying because she's, she's been through this and she's experienced, and I'm reading that in the recipes. You know, it's actually firsthand, not just a scribbled down recipe in a book, you know? I'm glad. Yeah, no, that's great. And of course, my uh, my own stumbles are always my greatest teachers. I, you know, it's funny, like, I think the writing part of writing my blog comes very naturally to me. Um, it's not something that I tend to trip over too much. But I actually am not one of those people who's just like, has an easy time in the kitchen all the time. I actually like really struggle with cooking a lot of the time. That and I, blows my mind. That I, I, me. I really do. And I make a lot of mistakes and I make a lot of errors. And and oddly enough, it can be sort of cyclical. I'm going through one of these phases right now where I just feel like I cannot get anything right when I cook. <laughs> um, and and I think a lot, the downside of that is sometimes I feel like it slows me down and how quickly I can write cookbooks and how quickly I can create content. But I think it also just teaches me a lot about how hard it can be to cook sometimes. And if I can sure. make that more relatable to people, then that's a good thing. Well, and I imagine sometimes, you know, I mean, as we do when we write these recipes, we make the mistakes, hopefully, so that other people can have a a, a foolproof sort of experience when they're doing the recipe at home. So I think Absolutely. inevitably mistakes are a part of it, but it can be hard, I know. Um, but oh, like yeah. I said, this is a an everyday sort of book. What are a couple of your go-tos in the breakfast chapter? I've been watching your Instagram. I feel like you have not been having trouble in the kitchen because I've seen some beautiful stuff <laughs> popping up on there. Did I any, have any of I feel like you've been sort of maybe I'm wrong but like pulling things out from the book and maybe like doing a little this and that here and there reinventing from the book have any breakfast recipes found their way onto your Instagram recipe oh for or sure Instagram lately? I, I cook from this book a lot and I will say I, I all all three of my cookbooks I've learned a lot from and I love them all but I cook from power plates the most by far <laughs> it's it's really the one that I just open up constantly and cook from um and I, you know, in that way, I think it's nearest and dearest to my heart. But yeah, in the breakfast section, so I'm, I like, I like sweet and savory breakfast, but I do have a soft spot for savory breakfast. So there's a kitchery recipe that I really love. It's non-traditional um, to the extreme. I mean, I add a bunch of things that I think are certainly not um, in most traditional kitchery recipes. And of course, those also vary from region to region. So I took a lot of liberties with it in a way that I'm very conscious of. But I love that recipe. And um, I really enjoy eating it. I love the cauliflower scramble. It has chickpeas. It's yummy. Um, I love tofu scramble too, but it's just like a fun alternative. And then there's speaking of tofu, there's like a tofu migas recipe, which I make a lot. And that one, that's one of those recipes that's like, Sure, it's a breakfast recipe, but I will happily eat it for dinner in leftover form anytime. <laughs> will you explain to our listeners what uh, kitchery is? So it, it sure it's um it's it's usually like a spiced uh, lentil or um, or dal and rice recipe, and it originates in India, and it is 
usually made, at least so far as I know, so far as my understanding is, it's usually made without onion, which I added to my recipe. And there's usually a tempering of spices that happens that I didn't do. So those are like some of the many liberties that I took with it. Um, It is often eaten as a porridge in the mornings. um, And you'll often see it too if you if you ever like look through an ayurvedic cookbook you will often see Ah, it included there as a sort of like simple grounding food and sometimes you'll even see kitcheries that are supposed to be seasonal so um you know for fall winter for different times of the year or sort of tailored to different people's um to different people's constitutions like the spices will differ or some of the ingredients will differ so this is not I, I I have read a lot about it, and I feel like sure. the more I read, the more I actually realize how little I understand it as as a sort of foundational recipe. But I um, I've made a lot of them from different cookbooks that I own, and I I I love the dish. Um, I think the simplicity is wonderful, and it's it is really grounding and a good sort of canvas. Have you um have you like dove into Ayurvedic cooking much previously, or? Has it been oh, part of your uh, food library at all when you're doing things? It has been, yeah. Um, I I think mostly just because like that style of eating, which is like very grounding, um, or the style of eating that is for my dosha, um, I would be a vata <laughs> um, in the Ayurvedic tradition. I, I do yes. find like very grounding. I find those foods very like nourishing and grounding. Um, so I do have like a bunch of cookbooks, and I think I've taken some knowledge away from all of them. I think you know, with Ayurveda, it goes so, uh, that's another one of those things, it goes so far beyond food. There are so many different um, lifestyle practices and habits that are part of supporting your health in that tradition. And I really don't pretend to understand all of them. But I think the the recipes that I've taken away really do um, resonate with me. And, you know, I I wouldn't say that I follow it as a, um, a lifestyle, but I do think there's a lot of wisdom to it. And I think that every time I read it, I can see lots of pieces of truth, um, even pieces of truth that resonate with me as a healthcare practitioner. You know, I can sort of understand a lot of that tradition based on what I see with my, with my clients. Well, and that's sort of why I asked, because you said the word grounding, and I thought of it, and we studied it at the Natural Gourmet Institute for a portion of the course. And Oh, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Course. And I, I hadn't really explored it much after school, but I remember I found it very fascinating when I was in culinary school. So, But the word grounding triggered for me. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That totally. Is. Um, totally. Well, so then we move into your salads chapter. It's not just some breezy chapter filled with thoughtless greens. We have the <laughs> sweet potato salad with tempeh and maple mustard dressing. That's actually one of my personal favorites favorites um and the warm tofu chop with peanut dressing sesame citrus soba salad and charred broccoli salad with frika and spring herbs what is a salad someone should try out who is just getting the book oh my gosh you just named so many of the ones that i love too (laughs) yeah so that that tempeh sweet potato salad i could eat like every Mm. single day um Mm. sometimes i add grains to that one um i'll like throw in a handful of red quinoa but like i eat that salad all the time um I also love the protein packed Caesar, which is also with tempeh. That's like um, towards the end of the chapter. Um, What's your I, base of your Caesar dressing? 
It's a cashew base. I use nice. cashews in everything. Like I don't, I'm so, I'm so useless that way. Like I don't even, I don't even pretend that I branch out. I just don't. I just use cashews for everything. Hey, listen, like, cashews are magic. I'm sorry. They are. They're, they're magic. They're totally magical. And you know, I just feel, I just feel for all the people who buy my books who, who have a nut allergy because I, know, I me just too. really, I just don't chill out on the cashews. I always <laughs> try and I try and like find a way to give a cashewless like tip or something you know for the the few people that are like can't have cashews can't do it um but i do think that cashews are magical so I, they're I, they're I, just yeah. kind of the best um yeah. i love them a lot and then i also uh there is a barley and kabocha squash salad um speaking mm. of grounding like autumn foods and it has like a lemon miso vinaigrette and i really love that one it's not one that i've like put on social media a lot like i think it's one of the kind of quieter recipes in that chapter but i actually love that recipe and um should make it again now that's winter squash is in season a quieter recipe i've never heard someone say that about the recipes in a chapter that actually <laughs> is that's such a great description because you do have the ones that are somewhat louder and then the other ones that yeah. are quieter you know totally. uh, <laughs> that's a great description and speaking of autumn we're in soup season right now um at least we are when we're recording this i just put a post-it on the lemony lentil soup with mushrooms and kale but what soups are you uh returning to in this book to keep warm and uh as as autumn and winter approach that is a great one. There's a red lentil soup early in the chapter. It's just like a smoky red lentil stew with chard. Mm -hmm. I, since I wrote power plates, I think I just decided that I'm never going to be really good friends with chard. It is just not my favorite green. <laughs> I can eat it when I, when I like bury it in a soup, like I did sure. with this recipe, but I will be honest with you when I make this recipe now, I only use kale or spinach. So there's that. Um, there is a ribolita. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's an Italian recipe. Um, I first I ate mean, it. I mean, came at, out real nice right there, however you just I, said it. I, I'm probably <laughs> wrong. I first had it in a restaurant, um, and I remember just thinking it was the most delicious, like, quintessential comfort food, and it involved ladling the hot soup over stale bread and bread is my favorite mm. food so oh, i was like this is the greatest thing ever and i make that one a lot and then there's a yellow split pea chowder with corn um later it later in the chapter that i really really like it's actually a really good one for this time of year because there's you know there's still corn at the farmer's market but it's also fall so it's definitely soup season Oh, I love that. All soups. Yum, yum, yum. I love soups. Totally. That's one of my... Soups are also so easy too. For people at home just cooking, just toss a bunch of ve vegetables in with a little vegetable stock and blend it up with a little seasoning. Like if, if, you, if you're not one to follow a recipe, just start playing. It's one of the easiest things to play with in your kitchen is soup because you can kind of always fix it, I feel like. That is for sure. I agree. You've got the bowls chapter. We got Thai peanut noodle bowl with spicy lime tofu and crisp vegetables, macro bowls with adzuki beans and miso glazed kabocha squash. Bowls have become uh, sort of the popular item in the last decade, it seems. <laughs> you know, you can really create flavorful, easy combinations this way that are often also very pretty to look at, which we all love. Uh, what are some bowls that are super gorgeous to the eye when they come together from the bowls chapter? Um, well, let's see. So the sweet potato bowls that are on the cover of the book, um, I really like those. Those have like a really great citrusy chimichurri sauce um, mm. and just like a lot of my favorite things, sweet potatoes, black beans. So love those. Um, let's see. 
What else do I love in that chapter? The macro bowls. I really, really adore. I think those are fantastic. I love a and, good macro bowl so much. Yeah. And again, like, like when you were living in New York, did you ever eat at Suen? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, so yes. like that, then the macro bowl there is like my idea of heaven. Uh, um, agreed. Actually, it's what I'm thinking about. Like, as you say it, I'm thinking of that. Yeah. And I just feel like, again, especially as it gets colder, like, is there any a simple but like really hearty plate of food like that so I really love that recipe it's one of my favorites for sure um and then in the more sort of like summery direction there is a Provençal bowl with beets and lentils and speaking of cashews cashew cheese that's homemade but like not too hard to make and I love that recipe cashews what do you mean cashews there's cashews in this book (laughs) Uh, I love the photos too every time I flip through this who was the photographer for this Ashley McLaughlin. She's great. She Ugh. is wonderful. I was so lucky to work with her. Yeah, they really are so fantastic. I mean, just like every photo is a stunner in this. And um, and the cover, like I said, too, when I first got it, it's like I had it in a stack of books and I went to this one first because that cover is just so great. I love the way the green pops on the bowl and everything. Um, moving on from bowls, we got the skillet and stovetop chapter. Uh, offers up some heartier options. I have my eye on the skillet chili mac as always because my eye jumps to anything with the word mac in the title. Um, 100%. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm just like, chili mac? Pesto mac? What kind of mac? Is there mac? I can I can get into that. Uh, this book seems very much for everyone in that meaning non-vegans would enjoy these meals too. Hooray. Always a good step in a, in a great direction. Uh, what are a couple things from this chapter that vegans could easily make their non-vegan friends to impress? Definitely the chili mac. Um, mm. I think the balsamic glazed tempeh again, like I obviously oh, obsessed yes. with tempeh, but that one, it's like a glazed tempeh with, um, peppers and onions and, and it's served over like a soft polenta. And I just think it's, so good um i make that one a lot that's definitely one of the recipes from this chapter that i make at home often um the creamy brown rice with shiitakes and peas is one of those recipes that again it sort of looks really simple but every time i make it i'm like damn this is really filling and delicious and i'm so glad i made this um cashew cream is in there too and then i think maybe not like to impress your friends but as just like a great solid nutritious everyday meal the rice and beans and tofu and greens is one of my favorites it's absolutely nothing uh new or original at all it's like rice and beans with a bunch of other stuff in it but i think it is you know it 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 checks all of the boxes it's the kind of thing you can make and then just enjoy for days and it is such a filling complete meal and i love that about it has all the things in it that you need and it sounds very very simple to achieve too so everyone can appreciate that for sure uh and then we've got your the bakes chapter there's there's uh you know one thing your recipes are not, and that is pedestrian. Uh, they are full of excitement from title to stove, and this chapter is no exception. Sweet potato nacho fries, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. tell us about those. Oh, they're so good. I mean, it's basically just like, <laughs> think think nachos, but yeah. sweet potato fries are sort of the base. So it's like, I don't know. I guess it's like some combination of chili fries and nachos. I don't even know. I don't even know what I was doing there, but it just sounded really good to like do sweet potato fries and then make them fully loaded. Um, so they've got you... cashew queso, they've got um, avocado, cherry tomatoes, a bunch of fixins. Um, I was going to say, I know what you were doing. You were doing something great. That's what you were doing. <laughs> Anything was 
sweet potatoes and then sweet potatoes nachos come on and you've got uh baked potatoes with lemon garlic broccolini and white beans too i love a baked potato and all that stuff on it sounds delicious what's a couple other bakes from this uh chapter to entice our listeners so i love the enchiladas those have butternut squash and black beans they're really good um i make those often the stuffed shells are another favorite of mine i am partial to anything involving pasta so (laughs) i could i could eat the stuffed shells anytime and then there are actually um sweet potatoes that have moroccan spices and sort of spiced lentils and i love those too um they're a really good make-ahead option you know you can like bake the potatoes ahead of time you can make the lentils a little bit you know you can cook the lentils ahead of time and then just throw everything together when you're ready to serve and i found those to be speaking of crowd pleasers very crowd pleasing i think they're sort of um they're really filling i think the flavors are familiar to people but also a little bit different and i think that they're a good example again of a meal that you can make with stuff that most people would have in their homes like a bag of lentils and some potatoes right. there are no like crazy ingredients but it still feels sort of off the beaten path and surprising well i'm looking at this I just feel like your mission here was to do 100 practical flavor packed balanced vegan meals. And I just feel like you done did it, but I'm looking here and I, I'm, I'm curious about sweets. Can we expect a sweets book from you in the future? Perhaps. I really hope so because I have, I am, I am 100% a huge dessert person. And actually like basically for all of 2020 dessert has been my primary food group for better, or for worse. Like, <laughs> like I think I for a lot of everything us. I've been making on like my Instagram, like stories, like I was doing cook alongs <laughs> in the spring, like just in part to keep myself company, of course, and, keep other people of company. and like it was all, it was all baking, um, which is fine. So yeah, I'm really hoping whatever the next project may be, there will absolutely be desserts involved and sweets. I love them dearly and i was um, like listen i'm seeing the sweets on your blog and all oh that, totally so come on now <laughs> give us the book yeah and i mean power plates was always intended to be sort of just like a a lunch or dinner book like that was always the idea it was always kind of to try to figure out to help people figure out how to make that meal come together but um yeah the the, the absence of desserts is the saddest part of that cookbook <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say it's sad i'd say it's just something to look forward to in totally <laughs> <laughs> um, and plus you you can only put so much in a book and we needed all the stuff you put in power plates so i love it what's uh when we're, get, we're at the part now where we go with a book brag book brag what's something with this book that you're most proud of or something that's happened that you're most proud of because of this book it's your chance to brag oh wow um i think just i mean maybe this is too general but i've just gotten a lot of positive feedback on this book and i think people love it in a way that maybe they just don't love the other two cookbooks and (laughs) and 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 i and i don't mean that i haven't heard nice things about the other two books too i guess i just mean the people who who seem to love power plates really really love power plates like they have made a lot of the recipes it's not like they've just like made one or two things they've made like i i i have some readers and fans of the book who have made like almost every single recipe in the book and to me that is just such a it's like amazing to me that anyone has cooked their way through the whole thing and also just so touching that people have given it that much trust and time and um allowed it to guide so much of their home cooking so i i think it's sort of that i think 
it's my sense that the people who love this book love it a lot and it's their go-to and that means a lot to me. And, you know, quite honestly, like I share that energy too. I love this book. I cook from it a lot too. It has a really special place in my heart. So it's just been nice to see that kind of mirrored in its life outside of my home. I really love that book, Bragg. Um, it, it, that just made me feel all warm and fuzzy. And I got to say too, I love that you, um, cook from your own book. I, 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 I just, that says a lot to me about this book. Cause if you wrote it and you went through it and you're going <laughs> back to it to cook more for, from it, that, that should say something to everyone. So everybody go get, uh, Jenna Ham- Hamshaw's power plates, 100 nutritionally balanced one dish vegan meals. Jenna, are you ready for your rapid fire baker's dozen of questions? Oh, let's do it. I'm ready. Fantastic. Here we go. Uh, what's your favorite season in New York city and why? fall 100% fall <laughs> I was actually gonna get really upset with you if you didn't say fall it was kind of a trick question so Obviously well done fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, food on a skewer or a tiny spoon skewer if I had favorite, to yes yes skewer all the way favorite spice to use in the kitchen Ooh, maybe smoked paprika that's listen one of the most popular ones me too I love that uh show you just binge watched Oh, the bureau. It's a French show and it's oh. so good. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's, that that got me through summer 2020. It's it's incredibly good. <laughs> That's basically we're all sort of on on the edge here going. We got through the summer with this. Now what are we getting through the autumn with? That's sort totally. of where we're at right now. Uh book you are currently reading or listening to. The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, which is excellent. Lacinato kale or curly curly kale? Ooh, I'm gonna go curly. All right. Favorite use of an avocado? Uh toast. So boring. Nice. <laughs> no, delicious. Uh favorite board game. Oh my oh, clue. Easy clue. Yes. A celebrity <laughs> you would want to cook for. Ooh. Oh man. I don't even know. Um <laughs> I like can't I can't even think of one right now. All right, we can we maybe you'll come. Oh, back the Fab Five. There I, you go. There you go. I mean, that's not one celebrity, but can we can we count them? Absolutely. As, yeah, like, we'll as, we'll say the group, cast of a small of, dinner party. There you go. Yeah, yes, there yes, you go. yes. Uh, and then I'm I'm nostalgic for New York right now, so I have another NYC question on your rapid fire. Favorite street or place in NYC? Oh gosh, I mean, so. I think I would have to say like anywhere in the West Village. Um, I don't live there. That has never been my neighborhood, but I, it always feels like such old school New York energy to me down there. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're in a Henry James novel. So I'm going to go with that. Couldn't agree more. What is an item on your bucket list? Hmm, um, Well, I think I would. uh, Let's see. (laughs) I don't know. Travel more at all. I have, I'm not someone who's, been to a lot of places um i feel like i often meet other bloggers who have done a lot of fabulous traveling and i don't even have like a single destination in mind but i've been to very few places around the world so i think one of the things that i'm conscious of doing more as soon as we can is just traveling a little bit more and i think that covid has actually put that into relief for me because it's not something i i push myself to do often enough and now that we can't i'm thinking gosh you know anything could happen i should do this (laughs) do you have a specific place next in mind there are a lot of like great cities around the world that i've just never seen so like i've never been to 
like most of the great cities in Europe. Like I've never been to Amsterdam or Berlin or. Um... Then we're gonna start you off with Amsterdam. We're gonna yeah, put that totally. at the top we'll of your We'll go there. List. Let's do that. <laughs> you have a cauliflower scramble in your book, but are you a tofu scrambler or cauliflower scramble girl? If I had to choose tofu scramble, for sure. Okay. All right. And uh, well, you've got two more because I'm giving you a bonus. What's your favorite type yeah. of apple? <gasps> Uh, that's a good question. I would say Honeycrisp has to win. Mm, that's my husband's favorite too. Um, What's yours? Honeycrisp, I think. Sometimes a green, straight up green apple, but David brings Honeycrisp into the house all the time. And I'm kind of like, maybe this is my favorite apple. I like Gala apples a lot too. That's why I mm, paused, but mm-hmm. Honeycrisp I used to really like Macintosh apples, um, but now it's like I can't put them like, I like an apple because I can toss it in my bag and like go wherever I need to go. But the Macintosh tend to be too soft. Too soft. Bruised up yep. easily, yeah. Um, your bonus question, since I'm being a freak for NYC with you, what's your favorite uh, NYC vegan eatery? Oh, that is so difficult. Um, Ooh, I know, I know. You can name your top three if you must. Okay, I have to name my top three. So number one is Candle Cafe. It's been nice. there forever. Love it to death, and it's my kind of food. Um, number two is Double Zero because pizza, yep. obviously. Oh my gosh, and it's really so good. Double and Zero is so good. It's so unreal. Yeah, every time I go there, I'm freaking out and then modern love for sure all good ones all good ones that's it that's your rapid fire good job yay those (laughs) were fun too yay good well hey listen tell everyone where they can find you what's your website and where can we find you on social media Okay, so it's really easy. It's the full helping across the board. So it's www.thefullhelping.com. And then I'm at the full helping on everything else. So Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. That's fantastic. And everyone, the name of the book is Power Plates by Jenna Hamshaw. Go get it everywhere books are sold. Darling, you're a dream. Thanks for being on. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we did this. Thank you for the chat. It was really, really fun for me too. What a delight. What a delight. I mean, what a dishy delight. Well, she just, I just, uh, just talking to her was like talking to a friend and it uh, it was so interesting. We had never, um, we'd been corresponding for a while on, um, Instagram Mm -hmm. and we actually started talking after you and I left New York and that's when we realized we were in the same um we had been in the same city like yep like ships passing in the night yep Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean she's like born and raised there but I'd been there for 20 years and uh we were kind of like oh man we just missed each other because you and I moved to Atlanta um but it's cool we've sort of both been fans of each other's stuff and it was it was cool to connect and then to have her on the podcast and get to know her uh definitely hope to meet her face to face when we're back in new york because i love her i love love her and i love someone like her that that didn't like grow up like with food like she came at it from like another side of things yeah like you know columbia university and her science background like Yeah, yeah yeah I just think that kind of gives us an interesting perspective even, from a different way. Yeah. She you know? also admits like from the jump, she's like, I wasn't a cook in the beginning. So it's, it's cool. It is cool to get all the perspectives on it. Um, and, and to have a sort of healthful cookbook written by someone who's not coming at it, trying to 
slamming you in the face with health is really cool too. But anyway, sure, I digress. Sure. You guys go get it for yourself. Power yeah, plates. For yourself. 100 nutritionally balanced one dish vegan meals by Jenna Hamshaw. And we all love a one dish meal, right? Oh, honey. But speaking of dish. Oh, yes. What is this week's Dustin's dish? Dustin's dish. What a dish. Mm. Ah, let me tell you. Garlic. <gasps> My favorite. Garlic, garlic. Most mm. of us love it. Uh, except one private client I had uh, who absolutely forbid oh me to God, use garlic. Right. Truth. Um, which, which is, is it's possible. It's, yeah. it's totally possible, but it was just a little frustrating. It's a lot less fun. I mean, it was, it, honestly, this client, I, I love this person dearly, and they were like, um, the only rule I have is this, no garlic. And I, I've dealt with a lot of different clients. And if you've got one thing straight up and you're going to tell me right away, right away what it is, I'm a fan. Because sure. that's well, easy no. to work with. I'm like, great, then, uh, you know, we'll do what we got to we'll do. Mm-hmm. And just knowing things up front as opposed to somebody who's constantly sort of really picky. And trust me, when you're a private chef, there's all, it, it takes a village, uh, all kinds of people out there. But uh, for those of us that do love garlic, you also know it comes with a price. And that's the smell of garlic sticking to your fingers Ugh. when you chop it. The Am worst. I right? The, the worst. worst. So rub those fingertips on stainless steel to get rid of that smell, Uh, like on your sink or a clean knife. uh, Just rub your garlic fingertips all over it, and it helps get rid of the smell. There you go. That's Dustin's dish, baby. Yeah, and just uh, be careful if you're rubbing it on a knife. I mean, don't rub it on the blade. I mean, you got to say it. Someone's going to do it. Um, But that's an excellent tip. And your sink. Most, Most people's sink is stainless steel, so like... Is our stain- is ours is not stainless steel is in our not? new home that we're moving? Oh, wait, is it? Is, is it? it? Why I don't is know. It we'll, we'll, we'll find, find out, out tomorrow. tomorrow. There's a lot of stuff we'll find out tomorrow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so... Yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be a, a smorgasbord of surprises. I mean, tomorrow. it's funny because like we fell in love with this place and of course we remembered every detail when we were, you know, deciding to go for it a month ago and now that we haven't been in the space like, we're like, "Wait, does it have what? Does it have a sink?" It's got it's Does got it a, oh it's called a sink. Oh, I will sink. say this, it has a really great kitchen. I think I said this last week, uh, that we're really excited about getting in and hopefully doing some more videos on IGTV, some keep on cooking videos for you. That'll be really fun. Yeah, we got some good natural light. We got a yes! nice little um, and some can nice lights. Hello. I didn't know what can lighting was until David and our real estate agent were like, What about can lighting? I got you. I mean, I still don't like it, but it's I mean, fine. It's, it's currently track lighting, but we'll uh, uh that's it. The deal it, is off. Slumming it. The deal First world problems. is off. Uh, but anyway, um, we uh, we're so appreciative. Um, the you know the reviews and the star ratings yes. are kind of bumping up. Uh, so we really appreciate so that. Sweet. So so please listen um, uh, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's very very helpful um, and makes us feel good. So yes, make yes. us feel good. Oh hey, and if you're in the Atlanta area, as some of you know, I'm the culinary director for Arden's Garden. Um, <gasps> we're releasing a couple fun limited holiday items. We've got an eggless nog cheesecake coming out. Y'all, it is delicious. Actually, I think it might have come out two days ago when this is playing gosh i should get it together before we record um it's out it's out uh eggless nog cheesecake and cranberry bliss bites that are dusted in this raspberry coconut powder they're so delish y'all y'all those again uh, as a uh, <clears throat> official taste tester um 
delicious and incredible. I, thanks, Bab. Thanks, Bab. Um, and I tell you this: if you're in Atlanta, they're, I'm telling you this now because they're limited. They're they're running for like two, three weeks, and they're going to be gone. It's for the holidays, so go and get them. Go and get them. I hope everyone's having a fantastic holiday season so yes, far. Yes, yes. Staying safe. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, keep on cooking, and remember, it's nice to be nice. <laughs> This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>